For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. What is up, everybody? This is the Tailgate Podcast, brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network. I am your host, Kevin Borba, and joining me is Sergio de Estrella. And today, we are... I almost rolled my R's there, Sergio. We're getting fancy, or my L's, my, dub, my double L's, or whatever it's called. Um, we're getting fancy today. We're talking some college football. There's been a lot of craziness, and there's a lot of things that you guys need to know as fans. Um, Sergio, before we dive in, please criticize my Spanish pronunciation. Um, I tried my best. I'm... A gringo, as if you will. I will be filing a complaint with uh, this, the um, ACLU with the, the, just the this sure hate crime that was you saying you were trying to roll your L's, which isn't a thing. The L.A.? It's roll your R's. I meant the... Yeah. It's A-ya. just two... It's just the pronunciation of two L's. It's not a roll. It's not... <laughs> it's kind of a roll, though, if you, if you will. No, no, I'm telling you, it's not a roll. <laughs> I can't roll my R's, can't roll my L's. I, I do appreciate the effort, though. I'm I'm going to keep trying. I mean, I did take four years of high school Spanish. Obviously, it paid off, right? <laughs> if it makes you feel better, if it makes you feel better, I also can't roll my L's because that's not a thing. <laughs> Perfect. I'm going to cut that. I'm going to cut the that's not a thing out, and we're just going to leave it. Um, Sergio, <laughs> I lost my ability to speak any sort of Spanish. But at least I didn't lose my job. Like Brian Harson at Auburn. Yeah. Bang, bang, bang. Um, honestly. Pow, jeez. I compared this to uh, and you saw my tweet. I'm pretty sure you liked my tweet. I compared this to the toxic high school couple that lasted longer than we all expected, but we all knew they were gonna break up because Auburn and Brian Harson yeah. just had a tumultuous relationship where he came from Boise State didn't find success right away. Um, and then over the summer, the boosters or the powers that be appeared to be not pleased with his performance and the way the program was heading. And so all of a sudden, a little rumor, not not a little rumor, that's a life-changing rumor, actually. I'm not even going to call it a little rumor. But there was a rumor that he was cheating on his wife with the assistant to the head coach, which was a a female lady about in her low thirties, upper twenties. I don't know. Um, but yeah, they were trying to get Brian Harson fired during the off season turned out to be not true. And then he kept his job, but you just know that they were looking for a reason to fire him. So Sergio, I have a question to pose you in terms of job sexiness on a scale of one to 10, 10 being the most sexy. How attractive is this Auburn job to you? I think we have to set a baseline that every SEC or Big Ten job, and I'm putting the Big Ten in there now because of the massive media rights deal that we saw a couple months ago with the Big Ten. So because of that, I think the baseline for any SEC or Big Ten job is now at least a six, right? You cannot go below a six because even if you do crash and burn like Brian Harson did and are out within two years, you're going to get a fat, and I mean fat buyout here. So 
it, it can't really not be lower than a six. Given that, I would give Auburn a seven because it is um, not necessarily a place that I would like to go to. And I don't mean geographically like you're in the middle, you're at Auburn, Alabama, stuff like that. I mean, that is um, let's use let's use your nice words, Sergio. Um, That is a complicated environment is the phrase I'm going to use that you're walking into at Auburn, given the booster situation. Now, 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 it is important to know that they just hired um, a brand new athletic director, Cone, whose first name is escaping me. I know his last name is Cone. He's coming from Mississippi State, and it is assumed and it is expected that he is going to get the full reins, right? He's going to get the full athletic director treatment where he's going to be able to take charge. Doesn't convince me enough, to be honest, to say, oh, yeah, this is something that I really want to – to go to. So for me, I'll put it a seven because it is an sec job. It is, it, you can still win national championships at Auburn. We've seen it. We saw it done within the last 10, 15 years. They played for two national titles. It can be done. Like it's, it's, it's a location where you can compete at the highest level. So I think there needs to be at least a minimum amount of interest there because of that. It's instantly the best job on the market right now. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't necessarily mean that it's the, it's myself, Sergio, the job that I would most excited about from all of those. I, I really don't want to be the next coach. I would love to be the coach after this one, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, okay. I get you. You want someone to like, not build the program up, but you want someone to kind of fix this little dumpster fire, if you will move on or. Well, it's, it's not even just fix it. It's not even just fix it because I think that if, you know, if I'm a coach going in, I always, I think I can fix it. That's, I'm a, I'm a football coach. That's the, that's how you're wired. My thing is more dealing with the boosters, the, the constant infighting, the uh, unrealistic ex unrealistic timeline for realistic expectations. It's realistic to expect national championships at Auburn. Completely agree with that. They should be competing at the highest level, yada, yada, yada. But the unrealistic timeline to get there is what I'm not a fan of. And that's what they've shown us with this Harson hire. They gave Malzahn a lot of patience, but they also got immediate results with Malzahn, and then he kind of tapered off as it went on with um, Gene Chizik. Gene Chizik won a national title, was great. 18 months later, he was gone because they didn't like kind of how he was responding afterwards. So it's clear that there's not a lot of patience at Auburn. I understand the expectations to be great, but it's kind of one of those things of they're always trying to put out small fires, and because they're trying to put out small fires – they can't really plant the seeds and give it the water and the time for them to grow into the program they are. That's why, to, to parallel with Florida, a program I know really well, that's why the, the whole Florida situation for me, I'm not worried about it. I understand there's a lot of people that are stressed right now, but you cannot focus so much on these small – you cannot make a big deal out of the small things. These are growing pains to get to where you want to be. I just think that Auburn has an unrealistic timeline for getting to where they want to be, if that makes sense. I completely agree. And I'm, I'm going to take a step further. And I, I like your Florida analogy because I think, and it's not that Florida was left in shambles by any means, but you guys weren't left in great condition by Dan Mullen. And so Billy Napier has a job of coming in and not only fixing what was left over, um, we're seeing that at Texas too um, with Steve Sarkeesian. He's having to lead, fix what Tom Herman left over. And then they're having to not only fix it, but then build off of it with their own culture. And 
when you inherit a team of guys that are not people you recruited, there are always cultural issues. There are always people not bought in. It's just how it is. Like you, they didn't come to play at Auburn or Florida or Texas for you. They came to play for a different coach. And so there's always going to be that kind of um, intertwinement of bridging of classes, if you will. Um, but to go back to the expectations, I honestly think this job is, I would say it is the most attractive job if you get to do it your way which we both know won't happen. So in that case, to me, there's more attractive jobs out there because this is, and I've kind of been thinking about this, maybe in four years, we'll go when Texas and Oklahoma join, I'm considering them a part of the SEC. This is maybe the sixth or seventh most attractive SEC job, but you have the expectations of, I would say, not Alabama, but you're Alabama adjacent expectations wise where you want to win every year and you think you should be getting all the recruits you should be in the playoff yearly and i just don't think that's realistic at auburn right now i think they have maybe three or four years to get it turned around and so this job is not attract as attractive to me just because one i'm gonna go in there i'm gonna know that they don't mind blowing money um because we haven't even brought this number up but between gus malzahn and brian harson auburn's gonna have to pay around 37 million to buy out the two head coaches um, not including the half of, I think it's going to be 7.5 million by what is it? 30 days from, from October 31st. So they have to fork out all this money. So obviously I think it's, I think it's half the money. I think it's half the money in 30 days and the other half can be spread out by however, I don't Cause I remember when Gus got fired, it was 12 and a half million in 30 days, 12 and a half million spread out over the course of whenever. Right. And so that shows me though, that these boosters, the school is fine with pulling the trigger prematurely if they feel like it's necessary. And honestly, name me a program that had success within the first two years of coaching and was able to sustain it. And then let's look at where those programs are because that's probably rare to begin with because every pro- Nick Saban struggled at Alabama um, at first, not struggled, but they weren't what they were. Um, Clemson had Clemsoning. Dabo Sweeney was not elite by any means at first. <laughs> um, who else could I think of? Ohio State, maybe. I think you could argue had that success with Urban Meyer, but the program was practically built for him. He just walked on the campus. Well, Urban, there's Urban and then Urban twice. Urban at Ohio State and Urban at Florida because Urban showed up in 05 at UF, right. won a national title in 06, won another one in 08. But, um, but he did he and he recruited really well. But also Zook was for all of his faults. One thing he did do well was recruit, and so he was able to set up yeah. Mullen. For, um, Mullen. He was able to set up uh, Urban for that 06 title. Nobody could set up Mullen. Um, here's the thing, though. <laughs> Urban is he inherited two like it's like an easy bake pizza, if you will. Like all the ingredients are there. You just got to pop it in the oven for 15 minutes at 400 degrees, and your pizza's ready. And that's what Urban has done twice. And so it's really not feasible or possible for a coach to come in, change a program in two years and be and meet these expectations that Auburn has. So, no, I don't think this job is nearly as attractive as people are making it seem. Um, Also, like I said, when you look at the SEC landscape, I'll name you jobs that I think are more attractive right now. Alabama, Tennessee, Florida. Um, I'm counting Texas and Oklahoma. That's already five. Uh, Georgia, that's six. And then what other jobs like? Like that's Arkansas, maybe. But Borba, but Bor, but Borba, which of those jobs are open? 
Well, that's the thing where I understand that it's not as it. It's that's not funny. It's not <laughs> as um. <laughs> okay, that is a little funny, but <laughs> I don't like I it. What you're saying? It's not as. But I'm just making. The it's comparison. not like these jobs are going to open up anytime soon. Like you can't, you can't think of that and be like, I don't think this job is available. I don't think this job is that attractive because there's other jobs that are better. No, I think two things can be true at the same time. I think this job can be attractive because it is an open SEC job, because it does have the potential to be on par with those other programs you named, and because the expectations there not only have proven that you can do that at that at that job, but you know that at the very least financially, you're going to get the money to do that. Um, that trade-off just comes with a bit of toxicity and a bit of un- uneasiness around the program and stuff uh, with, with who you're dealing with. But I don't think, I don't think it's fair or, or I think it's disingenuous to, to say that um, this isn't an attractive job because there are more attractive jobs than that. I don't think, I think both things can be true. I think it can be attractive, but also all of those jobs, which are filled and won't be open for the next, at a minimum three to four years. Um, you could even throw LSU in that list. Oh, that, that's, good you know, one. I don't, I don't think they will be right. I, I'm, so I that I just, I just want to point that out. I'm not saying that in terms of like these jobs are going to be not filled. It's just, I think Auburn unrealistic expectations, uh, money, trigger happy boosters that will literally just throw millions away just to, I don't know. I mean, also I would be kind of turned off by how they treated Brian Harson during that scandal. Um, Cause that was obviously, I believe not true. Um, I'm pretty sure it was like 99. It wasn't. No, no, it, it was like, it was like proven to not be true. Like exactly. that's and the so, biggest, that's the biggest issue. I, I wouldn't want to work there. there. Kind of. I, I agree with you with, it seems toxic. And so I think what I was getting at with the other jobs was, is just, there's a lot of expectations and pressures that come with this job that you may be able to have equal or better success at a different job somewhere else in the country and not have to deal with all that is just what I was getting at. But yeah, I think, okay. And then, Names I'm hearing for this, and just yay or nay, Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. He's currently at Ole Miss right now. He's kind of been linked to it. Since I think Lane five. would. Yeah, I think I think Lane would do well there. I think it would be a good hire. I just don't know if the Auburn people with the money, the boosters, and everyone are ready for the full Lane Kiffin experience. It's a great experience, honestly. He... I th- one of the things one of the things that um Auburn got mad about with Harson was that at least at the beginning he wasn't like he wasn't an SEC guy. He didn't understand what it took to succeed at Auburn. He missed a couple of charity events cuz he wasn't was trying to fix some stuff with his team and right exactly wasn't talking to the right people and it started to come around until he went to SEC Media Days and really just nuked it. Uh, when he was like, they tried to get me, ha ha ha. I'm still say so he basically went up there and said, "Someone call an ambulance," but not for me. Not is for what me. happened. <laughs> um, so, Lane Kiffin. I mean, are they ready for Lane Kiffin to spend a month at a time in Boca in the off season? Are they ready for Lane Kiffin to tweet away and 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 Make be himself up. and stuff? I think he can get away with that at Ole Miss because Ole Miss is that like tier below Auburn in terms of big job. Um, I don't know if they're ready for that. I don't know if that's something that they would like, but I think X's and O's and recruiting and portal and all that stuff. I think, and I would love to see, even if we just get it for a few years, Nick Saban against, um, Lane Kiffin in the iron bowl, 
that would just be fantastic. Just yeah. incredible content for us. I think I also think Lane Kiffin's at a point in his career though where any job could be his final job in terms of like he could stay there forever until his time runs out. And I kind of like what he's done at Ole Miss. I think he was a great hire after the Hugh Freeze debacle, if you will. And I love what he's done at Ole Miss. And so is is that a move that you could realistically see him making? That seems like a high risk, like I don't say low reward, but he he is really close to taking that next step with Ole Miss. So what what's like the motivation besides money? Um, don't say money. I'll slap you through the screen. <laughs> but I can't I can't say I can't not say money because and I don't I don't even mean money in his pocket. I mean recruiting budget. I mean yeah. budget for staff. I mean all those things. It's Auburn operates at a different level than Ole Miss. It's great. The Mississippi's are awesome, but it's not Ole Miss. I mean, it's not Auburn. They operate at a completely different level. That's true. So I, I think, and I also disagree. I also disagree with you very strongly that Lane Kiffin is at a point in his career where he could stay at one place for a long time. Are you kidding me? Lane Kiffin is king of burnout. Lane Kiffin will will jump from place to place, and that is okay. I I can see Lane Kiffin jumping to different places and being a consistent guy. Now, then again, I don't think that that place is Ole Miss. Mm. I think that. If if he was to stay somewhere, it would have to be at the level of Auburn. Okay. I think that you're underestimating how important it is to spend money in the recruiting game and be able to spend the money in the right locations to be able to keep a coach happy with all of the stuff that's changing in college football and the brand new college football world we live in. So for me, I think it's a no brainer. I don't think he would. I don't think Lane Kiffin's going to stay at Ole Miss because he thinks that he's building something. If he goes to Auburn, not only are they cutting the check for his personal paycheck, they're cutting the check for the they're cutting the check for the uh, coaching pool. They're cutting the check for the NIL budget. They're cutting the check for a lot of things that Ole Miss just isn't willing to do. Yeah, and I think, uh, like money wise, I think that's probably the biggest argument for Lane Kiffin movie and being bored because I do. Lane Kiffin kind of reminds me of like a teenager, like an angsty teen, um, where he just he's like. One activity, it's cool one day, the next day it's not. And I could see that happening. Um, I do think Auburn or Ole Miss will, like if he does take the Auburn job, I feel like I could see that being his like peak where he just stays there for a while. But again, Lane Kiffin is probably one of the most unpredictable people in college football. Um, we saw that in the NFL when he kicked like a 70-yard field goal. Um, we saw it at Tennessee. We've seen it everywhere he goes. Uh, USC, like this guy has been everywhere. And so I don't know. I just don't know if he wants to take that risk again. Do you think he wants to take that risk of being at that like top tiered level job where there's that expectation? Cause he's failed already multiple times, but yes. he was also young. He was also young. So yeah, but he's a, he's a college football coach. He's a college football coach. You think these guys don't want to prove that they can do it? Of course they can. That, yeah. I, that, that is such a scared mentality to be like, Oh, I already failed. I guess I'm going to, I guess I'm going to settle in as that second tier of coach that can take a team to win eight or nine, 10 games one season. No, they want to be the best. Everyone, every college football coach ever thinks that they're Nick Saban and they are on a mission to go prove that they are Nick Saban. But there is only one Nick Saban. But there are a lot of Ryan Days. There are a lot of Lincoln Rileys. There are a lot of other high-level coaches, a lot of Dabo Sweeney's that can get towards that top tier and they want to be mentioned in that name. Right now, when we talk about Lane Kiffin, we don't say, oh, he is a coach that can get a team to win a national championship. We say he is a fun, exciting coach who is awesome on Twitter, has an has a really good offensive brain, and can recruit and get the uh, and scheme teams 
into successful seasons. He wants to prove that he's more than that. He wants to prove that he is on par with Nick Saban. So every single coach wants to do that. I think that to say like, oh, he's just going to sit there and ride it out that way. I think that's disingenuous to it goes against everything that these people, how these people are wired. You know what I mean? That's two disingenuous counts for me today. I'm I'm on one today. I'm feeling feisty. I know. I told that you that and 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 the hate crime of rolling my L's. Come on, man. Like you, I told you for three, man. You, you need to walk. You, you need to just get to get on base, man. I told you I was feeling feisty today. Um, the next one was <laughs> I like I like him as a fit for a open job. I don't know if this is the open job for him, Matt Rule. I don't know if he's an SEC guy. I'm gonna be honest. I don't know if he's got that sexy appeal either. Um, the Matt Rule thing, he's going to get a look, obviously. I think he's oh, he they're going to talk. They're going to look at him. They're going to do their due diligence. I think he would I think he would do well. I mean, I also, again, we when we talked about when the Wisconsin job opening up and we talked about Matt Rule when he was fired from Carolina, we said that this is a completely different college football landscape than he left it. There was no NIL. There was no transfer portal. Yep. It's going to be very interesting to see if he can do that and can do the same things that he did at Temple and the same thing that he did at Baylor, if he can do it at an Auburn in this new era of college football. So I I'm I am not ready to give a take on Matt Rule yet because I just I don't know. I we think he'll know. coach. Yeah. I just don't know if it'll be at a at a job that big. We don't know his like coaching methods. Like if he's like a Dabo Sweeney type where he's anti transfer portal, anti NIL. Um, I just feel like. I see him taking like an Arizona State or a Nebraska, maybe. Um, I think that'd be the big swing for him. I don't know if he's like a, if he want. I don't know if he's SEC ready yet. I don't think whatever job he takes will be his final job. I think he'll move up. Um, contrary to what I said about Lane Kiffin, I think Matt Rule will get another chance somewhere else. <laughs> I, well, I mean Lane Kiffin's obviously going to get chances, but I just feel like he's going to try to keep moving up. Um, he's a culture builder, and Auburn needs culture. So that that's definitely. Um, he, he came after Art Bryles to resurrect that Baylor program, which looked like it was about to be in shambles for eternity. And so that's interesting. And then, Sergio, I have to do it. Our weekly our weekly discussion, Deion Sanders. I actually didn't want to do it, but he's been, so getting, I, he's been getting too much hype for this job. I didn't want to do it. He, he, is, in the same, he is in the same category with Matt Rule where they're going to definitely take a look. And honestly, I... I am much – I've never had beef with Deion Sanders being a Power 5 head coach ever. I've just had beef with you bringing him up every single episode that we of the of tailgaters that we do. Um, it's in the quote. But in this case, I think it's appropriate. I agree. I think it's appropriate to talk about him. I saw him – I saw him yesterday um, when Takeoff died, right? If you don't know, Takeoff, the rapper from one – the, one of the three rappers from the Migos – uh, he was shot and killed in Houston, hmm. and they were saying it was over like a dice game. I don't know. We don't know all the details. Um, we hope him and his family, you know, rest in peace and him and his family, all that stuff. But I saw a video yesterday of Dion talking to his team about the Quavo, about the takeoff shooting. And he was basically, he was just being a leader, and he was being more than a coach. He was being a a good influence and a role model to these young black men and i think it's one of the great things i think right now is a moment where i think we can take the time to say um all of the people that you know and i've i've said this before i, I again my stance is i believe that dion wants what's best for him for i think dion at the exact same time wants what's best for himself and also wants what's best for 
these young black men and HBCU football and raising the awareness in Jackson State. I, I think both can be true. And I saw yesterday how in this video of him talking about it and telling these players, you can't, you know, you guys can't go back to, you know, a, a lifestyle that you lived before. You can't, you, you know, we can't be killing our own, talking about black on black violence and, and said all of these things that really you could tell resonated with the players. And in that moment, he wasn't being prime. He wasn't, he wasn't even being D on the coach. He was being an older black man who has lived a life and has seen things and is telling these younger black men that they, they don't do not have to end up the same way that, you know, statistically um, either in jail or dead that a percentage of black men do in this country. And so I think that kind of leadership, that kind of stability, that side of prime that we don't see usually that I'm sure is only shown in that locker room and to, and to select people that want that he wants to show it to. I think that that would be an incredible quality to have as an SEC head coach. And I think that it would go a long way in um, it would go a long way in stabilizing a program like Auburn. So I, I wouldn't put it out out there. Um, I'm not going to say he's the front runner for the job, but if Deion Sanders ends up as the head coach of Auburn, I am, I am taking that with a, with open arms and I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, a long leash, whatever you want to call it the same way that I'm giving Billy Napier a long leash because it's because of the situation he inherited at Florida. Um, I will give him personally, I will give him time. I don't know if Auburn will give him that much time, but I definitely will. Um, and I think that, you know, I mean, he's X's and O's. He's doing a pretty good job too at Jackson State. They're hands down the best, um, one of the best teams in FCS. So you know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. But I am, I am much more in. I don't want to say in support, but I am much more open to Deion Sanders coaching uh, a Power Five football team now than I was two days ago. Yeah, and Deion Sanders. I think a lot of the stuff that gets overlooked with him is just like the stuff that he's been doing for the team in terms of like teaching them life lessons um, on a lesser de like degree. Uh, I don't know if you remember the mile. I think it's PJ Washington, I believe is the one that got with the Instagram model that ended up using him for obviously reasons. He had her come and talk and like speak to the team about like, you need to be aware of like who you're surrounding yourself with. And I think he's just like, he's personable. Um, he's kind of, even though he's not that, I mean, he's not old, but he's not that young. He definitely understands what like these kids are going through, I would say, because he's played at the highest level. He's probably experienced all of these things that he's teaching them about. And he still is able to connect he, with He them. actually cares is yeah. the thing. He like, actually he, cares. And you can tell that he actually awesome. does. And that's yeah. rare in, yeah. yeah. But yeah, I think he'd be a great fit. Um, I think this would probably be, if like of all the other jobs were offered to him, I think he would be able to turn them down. I feel like this would be the toughest one he'd have, have turning down toughest time turning it down. Um, there's also been the typical Tom Herman. I don't think like Tom Herman, Dan Mullen, I don't think they stay out of coaching for a couple of years and just hop back into a high level sec job like this, especially not Mullen. Well, Mullen, the, the, <laughs> I mean, part of the reason they got rid of Harson was recruiting. So there's no way that they're going to bring him all into that. Herman is a different story. Uh, that would just be more fighting the reputation and people being stubborn and 
having yeah. this false idea that he was the sole reason Texas wasn't back yet, quote unquote, which is so far from the truth. Yeah, no, there, I mean, that's that's like a whole book in itself, Sergio. We don't we don't have time to write a novel. Um, <laughs> moving on to what what else we got moving on? Oh, this little thing called the college football playoff released their first rankings. Um, Sergio, I know you're of the mindset and of the belief that these do not matter, which they don't until until they actually matter. But were there anything anything that stood out to you? Um, that you thought was interesting in terms of the college football playoff initial rankings? Yeah, I think, again, on college football playoff rankings outside of the last one, the one that decides who goes to the playoff and the New Year's Six Bowls is really a television show, right? I mean, even that's a big television show. Like, they they do this. If you're, if you're mad because Alabama has one loss and is above TCU, who's undefeated, that's what they want. They want you to freak out and they want you to do all of that so personally i think that it's uh, not the craziest deal in the world um i liked their initial rankings i think it's what it's tennessee one um ohio state two georgia three and michigan four or clemson four i'm sorry uh i, I don't think clemson i mean again they're making you talk that's what they want you to do i think clemson um they're setting Clemson up for if they go undefeated to put them in the playoff. Um, there's also a lot of complaints as well, where, you know, they kind of organize the back end of the top 25 so that it can justify the top four and top six kind of thing. Um, because there's some teams that are like, Oh, okay. That team's still ranked or, Oh, why is this team not ranked kind of situation? So they, 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 it's arbitrary. It's just a group of people. Um, but I, the Clemson, I don't think Clemson is one of the four best teams in the country. Um, I think they have too many struggles. They're really given the benefit of the doubt. It's kind of a double standard, um, but that's college football. That's what we, you know, we know that it's part of the sport. And so nothing too crazy. Um, I do think Tennessee deserves to be ranked number one. And as much as that hurts to say as a Florida fan, I think that they are definitely um, – they are definitely deserving of that. They have the best win in the country. They've proven it. I agree. I think Ohio State is the best team in the country, but I think at this point in the season, Tennessee is deserving of being ranked number one. Um, so, yeah, Ohio- that's that's kind of where I stand on that. What about you? Do you have any thoughts on on the rankings? Yeah, I, I completely agree with Clemson. Um, it's kind of funny because I feel like the one thing that we're always assured with the college football playoff is that previous years don't matter. They don't influence the the committee, and it's like they do, though. Um, I think we're seeing that with Clemson. I've I've watched multiple Clemson games this year, and there's outside of the Wake Forest game, which I don't even think Wake Forest is near like Clemson should be what much better than Wake Forest. Clemson really hasn't looked convincing at all, and honestly, it's surprising to me that they're ranked this high because coming off that Syracuse game, they were we just talked about it. I think that was last week where they had a quarterback controversy, kind of where it's like this team is not that good. They're a good team. Like we talked about, are they legit or not? And we both said that they are good for a team that will make like a New Year's Six or win their conference championship, sure, but they're not a playoff team. And so I think that kind of stood out to me. Um, Seeing Alabama not in the top four was just kind of surprising in terms of like past history. I knew they wouldn't be there. It's just like, I'm just like, oh, Alabama's not a top four team, but we kind of knew that was coming. Um, I also think they're really setting up Michigan. I think they're kind of punishing Michigan for their 
cupcake of a schedule, if we're being honest. Um, even that convincing win over Penn State couldn't get them to move because they beat Penn State by more than Ohio State did. But Ohio State has a slightly better resume, I would say. And so that matchup in two weeks. Well, I think also their justification. Yeah, their justification for putting Alabama over TCU was that they thought the Alabama defense was better than the TCU defense. But they failed to acknowledge that, you know, Alabama was, you know, have one of the most heavily penalized teams in the country. And also they're like, oh, TCU comes back and wins games. And it's like, well, Alabama comes back and then doesn't win the game. Like if you're going to have that standard, you know what I mean? You have yeah. to be able to maintain it. Um, I, I think real quick, I, before I forget, LSU ranked at 10 as the highest ranked two loss oh, team. They're setting them up for, oh, yeah. you want to run the table? That They're going to go in. We could see three SEC teams in this playoff and color me shocked, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was three SEC teams and Ohio State. Um which coincidentally, where do those where do those conferences play their football? Where, where what channel broadcasts those football? Co- combined with who is Espen? broadcasting and showing the college? Espen, if you it's will. a four letter it's a four letter um, acronym locating the Northeast. I think our friend Jared might might be very familiar with that company. I don't know. Yeah. though. I'm not so maybe, sure. So. Maybe his employer, maybe not be. Um, here's the thing, though. Could I, be. Could could be allegedly. I really don't think that they. Like everybody keeps saying that there's a possibility for the three team college football playoff for for the SEC, and honestly, I don't know if that can happen. Like if Alabama, Alabama, I just don't think it can happen because if you, based on their rankings right now, if Clemson runs the table, Clemson has to be in. Like this is based on what they have done to themselves. Clemson would have to be in, so that's already one. Ohio State right. and or Michigan is going to run the table likely. Um, it could be either one. Um, so that's already one of those two. One of those yeah. two is going to be. So that's already two. And then, are you? Does that mean you're going to put in two non-conference champion SEC teams? I don't know. I don't think they do that. Well, well, you would no. You would put the SEC champion, which we can chalk up to be either. It's up. It's four teams that could re, that could win the SEC. It could be Alabama, LSU, Georgia, and Tennessee. Coincidentally, both all four of those teams play this weekend, and all four of them play their divisional rivals. So we got LSU and Bama, and we got Georgia, Tennessee. So I think after this weekend, we're going to see the two teams that are going to be front runners for the college football playoff. Now, from there, you look at. I don't think LSU can get in with three losses if they lose this weekend. So you can kind of scratch them out from there. But if let's say Georgia wins and Tennessee has one loss and then they run the table, they look really good. They're sitting at 11 and one. And then Georgia kind of boat races Bama. That gives Bama two losses. Georgia's got obviously the number one seed. Boom, you got it there. You could see a Georgia, Ohio State. Um, I, I would not put it past them to put Tennessee with one loss above a conference champion, Clemson, undefeated. And they can say, oh, but you know, the eye test and this and that, and look how they played. And, I think it all depends on how the two, those two SEC matchups go this weekend and how they look in those games. If they did that and Tennessee has looked good except for that one game, I would be fine with it. But I'm just saying based off of what they have cornered themselves already by doing this, by putting um, these the teams in this order, they've kind of cornered themselves because well, I think Michigan... Well, what they need, what they really need is Ohio State to run the table. Uh, they need yeah. Georgia to beat Tennessee this weekend. They need... Um, they need Alabama to beat LSU. LSU. Yep. 
They need Notre Dame to beat Clemson this weekend to yep. kind of throw a wrench in there. And then when you get to the SEC championship game, you need um, you need Alabama to beat either Georgia or Tennessee, depending on who comes out. But then they it, it's complicated, but there is a path for them to put three SEC teams. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I'm yeah. not saying it's likely, but they're definitely they set it up for that to be a possibility. And you know why, Borba? You know why they did that? Because people like us are now talking about it, and that's what they want. Because it's a television show. It's like it's like we're watching below deck Mediterranean or something right now. It it sparks conversation. <laughs> um, but I honestly I'm glad you brought up LSU. I don't think LSU is the tenth best team in the country. Um the fact that they jumped from what was it? I think they were seventeenth and they jumped seven spots, that's crazy to me. Um this LSU team, I will say they have improved. They have looked better, but in the one time they were tested, they got blown out. Like they were literally obliterated. So I don't know where this all of a sudden, like that, that FSU loss, that FSU loss is going to be, that's going to come back to bite them in my opinion. Okay. Here's the thing though. They played Tennessee and they lost by 37 points or I mean, 27 points. And then they beat Florida by 10. Okay, sure. They beat Ole Miss, who I also think is overrated. And now they're the 10th best team over um, UCLA. Who's looked really good um utah who's looks i mean utah you i think you play utah and lsu who do you think wins neutral field um neutral field yeah i'd go utah it's at lsu i, th- I think kyle Whitting. i i think utah wins i think i think utah wins on neutral field because i think kyle whittingham is able to do his his best to stop everything lsu um i, I also want to remind you borba don't think of the AP poll. These are completely different people. None of these people who choose the college football playoff, sure, they don't that's... vote in the AP poll. So it's not like they're changing their mind. You know, maybe they've always thought this, even though you and I disagree. Maybe yeah. they've always thought this. You know, this is the, the rules for the college football, the guidelines for the college football playoffs were created specifically to be so open ended because we already had a formulaic approach with the BCS for 12, 13, 14 years, and people hated it. And so they wanted this openness. And now, because time is adapted, people hate the openness of the college football playoff regulations or lack thereof. You know what I mean? I so it's I, it's finding a balance. It's finding that. There's not a perfect way. I, I think that's all we've learned. Also, no. something that I, I agree. want to point out, I think Texas getting a ranking may be to help pad TCU's schedule. Because if I Texas, think so as well. If Texas beats so Kansas well. State this week, which they are favored to, they will then because Texas is 24, so that probably move them to say 19, 17, somewhere in there. And then TCU, assuming that they don't, I don't know if they play this week, um, but assuming they don't lose this week and then they beat another ranked team, that could get t- TCU to that little five through eight conversation or four through eight conversation because yeah. that'd be interesting. Oh, TCU does play this week, <laughs> they have the, the big noon kickoff game against Texas Tech, which we've all been clamoring for. Uh, well, well, <laughs> damn savage. Um, no, but I think I think it's I think that's an important distinction, right? It goes back to what I said earlier. They set up the back half of the rankings to justify their top half. You know, that's that's what they do. Um, they they set themselves up. They kind of they they write they show their work. You know, they yeah. tell you, all right, these are the teams that we think are the top six because you want the four and the two outside. Now that we've done that, 
here is why we think that. And then they justify it with spots seven through 25. That's that's what happens. So like, that's why I don't get too upset over certain things like that. I agree with you. I think that Texas thing, and honestly, I kind of think it's the right situation here because for all of the SEC bias that's been going around allegations and stuff, which I believe some of them, I don't believe others, uh, but I think that they're leaving themselves open for a variety of teams to be in the top four, right? Putting Clemson there is saying, okay, Clemson, if you can just do this, we'll put you in. Yeah. By putting TCU there at seven and having Texas ranked, you know, having a few more teams in the back half of the top 25 in that conference, they're saying, okay, TCU, we're going to give you quote unquote quality wins so that we can boost your resume to give you a chance. Okay, SEC, we're going to give you four or five teams in the top 10 that could realistically, we can give you that shot. Okay. And same thing with the Pac 12, right? Okay. Oregon, USC, Utah, U3, you guys are going to be in this group. Figure it out amongst yourself, and then we can see how we can. They're leaving it open ended for a lot of conferences, which is something I haven't seen in the past. They're just um, they're, they're just saving themselves. Obviously, that the headlines are oh my god, the the three possible SEC teams in the playoffs of a headline, and we did spend five minutes on that. But <laughs> they they did a good job in terms of leaving leaving it pretty open ended. Which they on just, November first, I like. And honestly, yeah. I love the fact. And let me, I will stop talking, board. But I know you're trying to get a point in, and I'm so no, sorry. You're good, but you're good. I love the fact that. We did not talk about the playoff until November 1st. Like, thank you so much for not inundating us in the beginning of September about the playoff. Because as much as the, I love the playoff and as much as it's important and it crowns a national title and we need to expand it and all of these things and all these magnum opuses, the, we, we were able to experience the fun of college football. The, the Tennessee win over Bama wasn't great for Tennessee fans, not only because it put them in the driver's seat of the playoff, but it was because it's a rivalry game they hadn't won in 15 years. Like, that is why we saw that burst of emotion. That's why the goalposts ended up in the river. You know what I mean? We were able to celebrate those other things rather than always hyper-focus on, well, how does this affect the playoff? And it's like, sometimes I don't, I don't care. Well, I don't just, care how it affects the playoff because it's just a cool moment, you know? Yeah. Like, and the let playoff, us live kind of thing. Now is the appropriate time to talk about it. I get you. The playoff always settles itself huh? because at the end of the season, most of the teams that always. are in contention will play each other, and whether it's the regular season or it just works out that way. Uh, I one last thing well, I want that one phrase redeemed you. That one phrase redeemed you. You had two. What was the phrase I used on you? You had you had two um, uh, disingenuous. Were we talking about Dion or you had two disingenuous. You had a you 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 called me a racial slur at the beginning of whoa, the podcast. Whoa, 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 no, I'm kidding. Whoa, whoa. Don't. don't. <laughs> <laughs> these jokes jokes amongst friends ladies and gentlemen no no but you you redeem yourself with that the playoff works itself out well well i'm gonna give you a little applause there for you well done Borba. go ahead and make your point i was just gonna say the playoff committee they set themselves up to not be as heavily criticized as times in the past i would say because it's like every there's a route for every every team in the top will go 14 um i think is as 14 is as low as I will go for contenders, really. They all have a path, and every one of them has a chance to play a couple ranked teams, win their conference title, and then make the playoff. And so I think the stage is set. It's all about remembering the lines. It's remembering where your mark and wherever you got to go. Do that, and you're in. Um, I do think that just based off of playoff history, I do think that there's going to be at least one team that feels gypped. Um, probably two teams. I just feel like that's how it's going to be. And then it's going to trigger the, this is why we need expansion. And it's going to be, everyone relax. 
It happens every year. As soon as we expanded it's 12, as soon as we expanded 12, we're going to be talking about how Tulane was robbed. Um, shout out Tulane, ranked number 19. Um, I don't think they'll make the, the college football playoff, but would like to see them in the New Year's Six maybe or something. something. Well, well, let's 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 do 30 seconds of G5 talk because Tulane, yeah. right? If UCF can get past Memphis this Saturday, then yep. we have a two and Tulane wins their game. Then we have Tulane UCF in New Orleans. Um, the winner is in the driver's seat for um, the G5 spot because if if Tulane wins, then that would give UCF two losses, which would give Cincinnati a chance to play for, for it. If UCF wins, we're probably going to get a rematch of UCF Tulane in the American Championship game. So that UCF Tulane game, circle that one in Sharpie for two weeks from now because that is going to be a very important game for the group of five race. That and. Spot. Last week of the season for Tulane, they they go to Cincinnati. That's going to be an insane game because that game could also massive game. That game could also impact who, because at that point, I think they would all be six and two, assuming or whatever and two their record is, um, ten and two. Thank you, uh-huh. math. And so then that's they but, all. Have but you have record. to you have to see it the conference get the conference one though because we it's to determine who's going to go to the conference championship game. So let's say UCF beats Tulane. And right. everyone else runs the table up until that last week, right? Yeah. You then have UCF. If they beat USF, they're in the game. So let's say they win the Warren I-4 on Friday. That Saturday, you literally have, all right, Cincinnati and Tulane, the winner plays UCF in the championship game for the conference, which then the conference championship game will decide who will go to the Cotton Bowl as the group of five representatives. So the American is looking a lot of fun in the last season that has Cincinnati and UCF and 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 Houston in it so it's 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 a lot of fun the g5 is exciting going down the stretch and the Sun Belt is unpredictable too you know it, it, the east is everyone's beating up on themselves and southern miss who just moved from conference usa to the Sun Belt west they have a shot to win that division so lots of g5 stuff going around too which we don't get to talk about often because it doesn't have as much of a national picture but i think it's important to to at least acknowledge yeah that was our little 30 second spiel on group of five i just Shout out to Lane. Shout out the American. I think it's going to get real insane over there. I think whatever the craziest possibility is where it's like each team loses a game or something like, I just want them to have to go off like point differentials or something like something crazy like that to decide. Um, I, I don't know if that's possible, but I would like that to happen just because that'd be insane. Um, Sergio, before we leave um, this lovely episode, we have to do our weekly picks. Um, Great games this week. I think we've kind of alluded to it a couple times. Um, there are a handful of picks. Last week, we both did fairly well. Um, my confidence in UCF gave me the edge, though. Um, gave me the edge over you. Um, oh, actually, you picked UCF, too. Never mind. I lied. You picked Kentucky. Yeah, come on. You come picked on. Kentucky to beat Tennessee, um, which was unfortunate. I don't want to talk about I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> I do not want to talk about that. Yes. And so we are just going to dive right into picking um a friday game um which this episode will be up by friday morning so you'll be listening to it friday afternoon um oregon state visiting washington six and two teams um oregon state ranked in the first time for the first time in the playoff era um this team or this game eliminates one of these two teams from pac-12 championship contention who do you got um Oregon State, Washington. Oregon State, Washington. Uh, this is tough. Um, I think the game is in Seattle. I know that for a fact. Yep. I think I'm just going to go with the home team there. 
as much as I like Oregon State and I love my Beavers, and if you listen to Sideline Judgment, which you can find on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, you know how much Tyler, my co-host, and I love Oregon State. But I think in this case, I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go. I like the few times that I've seen Washington this season. It's just been fun. You know what I mean? They're like they're like ten. They are similar. Offense has been great. Uh, they're a similar in play style to Tennessee. They're just obviously not. I mean, if their defense was right, not at that level. If their defense was somewhat respectable, they could very well be at that level because they were ranked in the top fifteen. Like, I mean, AP poll, sure, but it was there was a week where the purple haze. I was I was all up in that purple haze. I was full on Washington. If mode. you if you enjoyed if you enjoyed watching the Baker Mayfield Oklahoma era. You are going to love watching this <laughs> great value version of that called the Washington Huskies. I really do. It's a lot of fun. So I'll take Washington in that game. As yeah. much as it pains me because I love the Beavers, but I'll take Washington. I'm going to Washington as well. Um, I want to give you an interesting note. Um, my friend, good friend Jordan Watkins, play. I, we host the Farm Talk podcast, so, which is my Stanford-oriented podcast. Um, he played defensive line at Stanford. He said Washington is the loudest stadium in the country. Um, very underrated. Uh, he's from Georgia. In the from country. One of the loudest con- stadiums in the country. He's from Georgia. Which I wow. thought was crazy. But Seattle, okay. they get rowdy up there. Um, so so that stadium, another fun, another fun fact about that stadium, it's relatively new. It is one of three stadiums that you can take a boat to the game. Do you know the other two? The other, oof. Um, is... I'm guessing it's got to be a Florida school, maybe. Florida no, State? it's not a Florida school. I don't know. I honestly don't know how close the Florida schools are to water. Miami. Oh, no, they play at Hard Rock. No, Never mind. no, no. Miami, no. Miami's campus is Yeah, close they play at the... <laughs> Miami's campus is close Miami's campus is very close. To, yes. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. No, the, the two schools are Tennessee. Oh. Which, with yep. the goalposts in the river. Yes. And the other one is Baylor. Right there in Waco, oh, you can you can. There's a famous both rivers. Remember last year, Pat McAfee jumped in the river yeah. on game day. That okay. I I was thinking two yeah, like those are those are the three. I was like, it's none of the California schools. I was like Texas. I I was thinking like schools by the ocean. I was. I, I respect your logic though. I respect <laughs> your logic. UConn. No, I'm just kidding. Um, hey, shout out. UConn. <laughs> they have four wins. That shout out UConn. Shout out the Huskies. Um, okay, Texas, Kansas State. I personally think Kansas State's going to win. Texas has been really unimpressive lately. And Kansas State, even with their backup, they somehow, I won't say they looked better, but they looked just as good, if you will. I feel like that's a fair phrase. Um, they, they, blew they did. They, they, didn't, they didn't skip a beat. They didn't skip a beat. Yeah, that, yeah, there we go. They literally destroyed Oklahoma State. Like, Oklahoma State has no legitimacy anymore in the, play, in the playoff race, in my opinion. Blank them. No yeah. points, zero points scored by by the Cowboys. Who you got? Texas, Kansas State. You going K State as well? Oh, I'll take. Yeah, I am. Give me purple power, baby. Purple power. Don't let Texas disappoint you. It, it happens too often, Sergio. As someone as someone who it happens to practically weekly, don't let it happen to you. Um, Tennessee, Georgia. Georgia's favored by eight. Um. Georgia's favored by eight, yep. so I'll take the spread. <laughs> I'll take the eight points for Tennessee, but I I, I want to I'll go with Georgia because I like Tennessee, but I think I think Georgia is um, definitely the one that 
Um, oh man, it's tough. But I, I want Georgia simply because I think that this is one of the better defenses that Tennessee is going to face all season, if yeah. not the best. And I think the Georgia offense is significantly improved from years prior. So I think that if they do need to kind of go blow for blow, shot for shot, I think that uh, guys like Brock Bowers will make an impact. I think that, Georgia is uh, in a better spot offensively than years prior. That's why I'm going with Georgia is they have too many weapons on offense to kind of hurt Tennessee's defense. And then Tennessee's offense, I mean, they've been electric. And it's just, are they due for a game where Hendon Hooker throws a couple picks or something? I don't know. But I I feel confident in, the, in Georgia. I also, for some reason... I feel confident in the under, Sergio. Over under 66. I don't know if we're getting a 66. So that would require, that's 33 points each. Um, so maybe like a 30, a 35, 31 would have the under hit. Oh, maybe. Yeah, okay. In theory. I just don't like to root for unders. So I actually. Unless it's Iowa, then I'm always rooting for the under. See, I, I've done three unders in my Borba's bets picks. And. Um, I've only hit on one of them. Illinois and Nebraska this past week, the over-under was 50 and a half, and I think they got like 30-something. Um, I did do <laughs> – I what was it? Oh, it was Michigan-Penn State was my disappointing one. I took the under, forgot what it was, but um, it was – they smashed the over. Um, I was like, oh, so did not expect that to happen. Two top-ranked defenses, and this is what you give me. Um, moving on, we have – oof. I guess we got to do it. Alabama, LSU. I think Alabama is going to smack them. I don't really think LSU is that good. I don't think they're going to smack them. I don't think they're going to smack them, but I'll take Bama. In the same principle of um, the Georgia game where I just think that. So my philosophy here is Brian Kelly does not do well against Alabama. And even though this is one of the better, more talented teams Brian Kelly has had, and this is one of the least disciplined and one of the worst Bama teams, excuse me, of the last five, 10 years. I still think that that given that situation, um, I'll take, I'll take Bama, but what's the spread here? We got Bama minus, sorry, I was reading something 13 and a half. I would take that. I think they win by. Two oh, times. I'll take, I'll take LSU, LSU oh. plus 13 and a half. Because really? I think. Yeah, because look at look at the look at how Bama's played this season. Look at how undisciplined they've been on the road. I expect a lot of Bama penalties. I expect a lot of screaming on the sidelines. And I think Bama wins, but I think they win in a close game. So I'll take the. I, I feel comfortable having a two touch close to two touchdown cushion with LSU plus points. Nick Saban's cardiologist watches his games and gets a little nervous every time they pan to Nick Saban going straight up ballistic on the sidelines. No, I don't. I don't think he watches because I think he knows that his heart rate is going to go up if he watches Nick Saban's heart rate go up. So, yeah, that's true. The self-preservation thing from the cardiologist. Yeah, honestly, I think uh, I will say LSU has a something that Alabama really hasn't dealt with this year, which is a running quarterback, like a true dual threat. Hendon Hooker can scoop, but he doesn't run um, often. Dan Jaden Daniels is LSU's leading rusher. Dude has like over 500 yards rushing. I think he has nine rushing touchdowns um, is the number. And so that'll be interesting because rushing quarterbacks in the past have given Alabama trouble. We've seen it with Cam Newton, Johnny Menzel. Um, so it'll be interesting. Um, I, I picked Bama. I don't know if I said that. Clemson, Notre Dame. I honestly am going for the upset here. I think Notre Dame gets them. 
Me too. Really? Me too, dude. Yeah. I just, I don't, again, it goes back to, I don't have faith in, um, I don't think Ellis, I'm sorry, I don't think Clemson is one of the four best teams in the country. And I think Notre Dame's been looking relatively well over the past few weeks. They kind of have settled down. Um, and DJ really did struggle against Syracuse the last time that they played. And even though I think DJ will be fine, the last time that we we got this game in um, South, South Bend, Bend was 2020. That yep. like that like classic game that we got that year, which was really good. I think that I don't think it's gonna like happen again in that s- sense of the Clemson upset and coming in and winning the game and stuff. Because I think Clemson was a better team then. I don't think Clemson's as good of a team overall now. Right. Granted, Notre Dame isn't either. But I do like um I think Marcus Freeman's gonna give DJ a lot of trouble in terms of um, you know, him defending clemson's offense so i will take i will take notre dame i also think it's kind of got it, it's kind of set up right Seven thirty kickoff on nbc uh under the lights big time game i think notre dame is looking for a big win i yep. think notre dame is looking for that okay marcus freeman was the right choice for the hire even though i think he was and it's just going to take time because you know brian kelly took took some stuff away um i think that that's going to be a game to watch. I would like, I, I I'm very interested to watch this football game. Like I will be truly double screening so, this seven o'clock, seven 30 slate. Cause I want to watch the other Bama LSU game too. Oh yeah. I think obviously we, we both agree that Notre Dame is covering the minus three and a half. Um, well, obviously since they're winning, but that's just, that's just, oof. this is going to come full circle because I don't know if you remember, we got introduced to DJ against Notre Dame was like his coming out game. Um, I think Trevor Lawrence had, did. COVID. He had COVID or something and had to, he was on the sidelines and didn't play was the craziest thing. <laughs> well, they, they, they didn't announce he had COVID, but we all looked at each other like, well, he's not on the sideline. So yeah. <laughs> and he's out 10 days. So <laughs> we put two and two together. Um, mm-hmm. This game is basically going to be the battle of strengthening Clemson schedule. We'll call it the strengthening Clemson schedule bowl. Um, Wake Forest and NC State, twenty-one, twenty-two. Um, I'm going Wake. Me too. I'm going Wake. I don't. I think since Le- O'Leary went down for NC State, they've been a different football team. And I like Sam Hartman. I've said it before. He is going to make an NFL GM look like a genius when they take him in the fourth round of the draft, and he is able to be a consistent backup for a long time in the league. I like him a lot, and I think. NC, um, I'm sorry, Wake Forest has a more talented team than NC State, especially at the quarterback position. Not really much of a conversation for me. I'll, I'll take Wake. Perfect. And our final game, we got to pay tribute to our former home state, kind of UMass visiting. Actually, I think it's a neutral site. I don't know. Um, taking on UConn. Uh, UConn is favored by 17, which seems like a lot. Are they going to go bowling this year? Sergio, I swear I swear on everything. I think they can. Cuz really. You so, so we we both we both have them in this game, right? We both have them in this game. Cuz UMass is 1 and 7. Um shout out to their quarterback, um Mantica native. He's struggling. Um he's their their whole rushing attack and quarterback. He's he's got that to deal with. Um it's going to be mm-hmm. tough though. They're going to have a very fun last two weeks or devastating last two weeks. They Host Liberty, 
loss. I think Liberty's going to destroy them. Mm-hmm. And then, loss. yeah. Then they head up to New York to take on West Point. That's a tough. Can they tough. beat Army? I Could they beat Army though? You think? I mean, Army's Army's bad. Like, oh, Army sucks. But you never they know. O- they only do. They only need two more wins. They only need two wins. They need two wins. They got to win two of the next three. They're at four wins. Right so now. they'll win this one. That's five. Yep. Put them at five and five. So and they got to. They they got to. They got to beat. Um. They got. They got to beat Army and Liberty. U, um. UMass. Yep. I'm in. I'm in. I say they beat Army and I say they beat UMass and they go bowling. Wow, that is insane to see UConn in a bowl game. Honestly, I just that'd be awesome. That last week will be devastating, but we we all know military academies tough. The military academies in the fall, that's just like you might as well play the Chiefs. You never know what's going to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> because military academies in the fall, for some reason, or in the spring, excuse me, whatever the season is we're in right now, it's fall. Fall. Yeah. Fall to winter. It's fall. Yeah. I just, that's where it turned around. Um, military academies in the fall. Sketch. A, a, Cali- a California guy and a Florida guy debating the seasons. Look at this. <laughs> Look at us. Hey, it rained yesterday. Shout out. <laughs> um, but yeah, this has been the Tailgate Podcast. Um, we will be here every week talking about college football, coaching hirings, coaching firings, best teams, overrated teams to play off. Uh, like, subscribe, share this podcast, please. Um, give us five stars. I'm your host, Kevin Borba, and he is Sergio. He can roll his own L's. Um, we will catch you guys next week. <laughs> Have a good one. <laughs>